Okay, we are recording. Okay, so this is our last lesson or, or sermon on our series entitled Christian. So we covered a lot of ground. This is the eighth one. And just to review a little bit with us all, Christian was a term used by non-Jesus followers to describe Jesus followers. It wasn't, necessarily, it wasn't defined but over time, the word Christian became ill-defined. And consequently, Christianity, over the years it's been in existence, has had a brand problem. The brand was, it's judgmental. It's, um, they think they're the only ones going to heaven. There's this, I'm better than you. And to paraphrase Annie Rice as we looked at her, what she thought in her experience with Christianity, she called the group quarrelsome, hostile, disputatious, and deservedly infamous group. That was her experience. Then we discovered the real problem. That is that we've embraced the wrong label. Jesus never called his followers Christians. He called them disciples. And he defined what it meant to be a disciple. Not theologically, not philosophically, but practically. And he wrote, love one another as I have loved you by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Then we discovered that Jesus intended that this kind of love would be the gatekeeper for all other rules. When, when asked what was the greatest commandment in the Bible, in God's view, what is the greatest commandment? He was asked that question. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And all the, the thou shalt and thou shalt nots would be evaluated through love one another. Those passages. And while Christians are quick to look, away, to look around the simplicity of loving one another, Christians look for the loopholes. How can I get around loving one another? But disciples don't do that. They're called to love one another. So in every relationship, we ask this question, what does love require of you? And we ask that. That was the question. What does love require of you? And here's why. Because Jesus is really brilliant. And this question is so important. Because there are two categories of people who've made a significant difference in your life. And here, here's who they are. The first group is those who have hurt you. And the second group is those who have loved you. They have made a significant impact on your life. You are who you are as a spouse, as a friend, as a parent, as a boss, because of the doses of hurt, rejection, 
and love and acceptance that you received. Your security, my security and confidence and emotional health is from the people that have either hurt me and also the people that have loved me. Those two groups. So whenever you see a counselor, which is a great thing to do, that's where they take you. They take you to the source. It doesn't matter where, where the person went to church. The person that hurts you or let, it doesn't matter what he or she believed. Was, what mattered and what matters is how they treated you. How they behaved toward you. You know, we're always trying to get our kids to behave lovingly toward each other. It is the most difficult task in the world. You think because they're siblings, they naturally love one another. I mean, I love my wife. Why can't they? I'm giving them a good, I'm loving Karen. Why do they fight so much? My gosh, every single day. I got to deal with the heart of the matter. And, and the older they get, the more complicated the issues become. Before it was just Juliana tripping Jaden. As he's walking by, she'd trip him. That was easy. Don't hit your brother. I love those days. I miss those days. Now it's heart issues, selfishness, and fighting, and. Ay, ay, ay. And you look at this passage what does love require of me? You know, the older my kids get, the more conversations of the heart I have to have. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired. If you have a spouse, you're already tired. <laughs> I've been talking to her. My wife says, I want to talk. We've been talking all day, and I told her, I am tired of talking. I'm tired. I'm going to go downstairs and watch a show, because that way I don't have to talk to nobody. That's how I feel. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. What does love require of me to engage? But I'm so selfish. I want, I want to put a band-aid on it all the time. But it needs my heart. It needs me. That's what love one another is. Because if you can show it in your house, you can show it elsewhere. You don't want to show it elsewhere and not show it in your house. It's kind of backwards, huh? You could be like, yeah, right. You want to show it there first and show it outside after. There have been good men or men with actually good theology who've beaten their wives. Women who've taught Sunday school who abandoned their children for something else or someone else. Parents have sent their kids away to be raised by another relative. Prisons are has its share of pastors and ministers and, and priests with seminary degrees who've abused children and sent them into adulthood limping emotionally. doesn't matter what your theology or what you know or the knowledge you have or what you believe. That doesn't mean much. It's how you've been treated and how you treat others. That means much more. But there have been fathers and there have been mothers and coaches and teachers and grandparents and youth pastors and group leaders who have spoken life, who have spoken approval and acceptance into the souls of children. 
People have raised kids in a foster system. People have adopted children. They showed up. There are many of those as well. And the way that we've been treated has more to do with who you are than what you believe. Because a lot of people believe in Jesus. But they can treat each other so cruelly where it affects people. And somewhere along the lines, the, in, in, after the first century and the second century and the third, as you get into the history of Christianity, you start to see something. Their behavior changed to believing, where believing became more important than behaving. If you look at the origins of the followers of Jesus, it was the way they loved one another. They didn't have a New Testament to look at every single day. But they had it read at church. The letters and the Gospels of Jesus, even before that, they didn't have much. All they knew was love one another. And, and, that, and so that's how the West was won, by their behavior toward one another. Not by what necessarily what they believed. That wasn't the predominant the theme, but it changed over time. Where it didn't matter how you behaved, as long as you believed. And that has hurt many people over the years. Because Jesus came to make a difference. Not a point. He didn't say a new command I give you. Believe correctly. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you believe correctly. He didn't say that. Because believing is so much easier than behaving. So much easier. And Christians are, are content just to believe correctly. That's why they spend most of their time making points. And disciples, they're not content until they make a difference. That's what followers do. I'm not content until I make a difference. Let me ask you a question. Are you making a difference with your love? Because when I engage my own family with love, I see a difference. And when I disengage, I see the disaster. It's a big difference. When you hear reaching out to people, a lot of times we think, it's just inviting them to church. No, it's more than that. It's actually loving them, caring about them, getting in their world. And it's messy out there. It takes time and energy. But are we not the followers of Jesus? What does love require of me? Relationships are messy. Helping other people become Christians is messy. But it's awesome. What does love require of me? Jesus said that that happens when you love as I have loved. When you make a difference, it's because you start loving people the way Jesus has loved you. So I want to make it as simple as I know how. What does love require? Well, number one, that I don't, or that you don't and I don't, do anything that will hurt yourself. I'll put it this way. I don't do anything that hurt will hurt you because you belong to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
It reads, Do you not know, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You know, when you hurt you, you hurt someone your Heavenly Father loves. My children cannot hurt themselves without hurting Karen and I. It's impossible because we love them. When you hurt you, you hurt people who love you. When you hurt you, you hurt people who are depending on you. That's why that pastor says, hey, take care of yourself. You know, I've turned, I hit the 40 mark this year. My mind is 18. But my body says, hold on, brother. I played in a soccer game on Saturday. And after the game, I felt good. I was not back and hang with the youngsters still a little bit. I felt proud of myself. Then I was with a brother and he asked me to pick, pick stuff off the ground, help him out. And I was, had, had improper technique. I was, I was doing the old, let me reach down and lift up, you know, which is it's a no-no. Always squat your legs and pick up. And I know that. I do that all the time. But what I realized was my legs were so jelloey that if I squatted down, I might fall down. And he kept saying, bro, you're doing it the wrong way. You're going to hurt yourself. I said, I said are you sure? Because it feels, I'm, I'm strong. He's like, no, you're, that's terrible technique. Squat your legs. I'm all, if I squat, I'll fall. <laughs> then I realized, I got to take care of me. I got to take care of what God gave me. Because if I don't take care of myself, my kids depend on me. Your kids depend on you. As you age... This applies. Honor God with your bodies. Take care of yourself. I mean, modern medicine can only do so much. (laughs) Do you know what love requires of you? Yeah. Take care of you. Take care of your walk with God. Take care of your spiritual life. Take care of you. You walk with the Lord because people depend on you. The problem with you hurting you is that eventually you break the second commandment, which number two is that I don't do anything that will hurt others because they belong to God too. I'm not talking about serving in the military or enforcing the law or self-defense. The New Testament explains that. I'm talking about not using your Christianity or using your theology as an excuse to hurt someone. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't gossip or pressure or deceive or tempt. And do not stalk people. It's a new term I use now. You can stalk someone very easily. Just go on Facebook. You can stalk hundreds of people. Look through their personal photos. Even though it's puck, people do that all the time. Who is this person that knows this person that knows this person? <laughs> People look at my, and I thought, i got to check my privacy law. People can look at your stuff all the time. It's a whole new world out there. People have access to everything you put online. 
Once it's out there, it's out there. You can't grab it back. And people spend a lot of time watching other people. That's what they do. It's scary. Sometimes love has an edge. It's a scalpel. It's not a knife. I want you to think about that. Love has a little bit of an edge. Confessing your shortcomings can hurt. But ultimately, it's preserving. Confrontation can hurt. But ultimately, they're preserving. Confession and confrontation are an expression of love. Love can be threatening, but never self-serving. Love can wound, yet love never destroys. And that's important for all of us to understand as we are the followers of Jesus. Love can wound, yet it never destroys. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's an interesting observation of the principle of following Jesus. And thirdly, what does love require of me is don't be mastered by anything. God is your master. If you're mastered by something, you'll find it difficult to love someone. If you're mastered by something, you'll find it impossible to love someone. Rule your appetite. That's what I'm learning as a 42-year-old. I got to watch my appetite. It's ferocious like an 18-year-old. But my body can no longer process it. I had a double quarter pounder yesterday. My day, I haven't had one of those in years. And it felt good. But my body said, this ain't going to go well. Watching my appetite is ferocious. When you walk by the ridge, the fr- I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm being honest. The, fr- the fridge says, hello, friend. I was like, what was that? Oh. When I walk by that fridge, I hear, almost hear it go, hey, check it out. Some cheese in here, some chips. Make a nacho bowl for yourself with some salsa. I know it's me, it's not the fridge. I know it's me, but I'm like, that's what I think about when I pass that thing. At 11.30 at night. You're going, mm. I, I, it's, been, it's been three hours since the last eight. Got to keep the metabolism going. You start talking and lying to yourself. You start stalking the fridge. You walk by it four times. I'm just going to get water, I swear. What I'm working on is not being mastered by my appetite. I got to take care of me. Don't allow our appetites to rule 
you or me. Sometimes we think about being master. We think about if we think about sometimes we think of sex. And there's a point to that. Don't be mastered by something outside of your spouse. Yet Jesus was more concerned about money mastering us in the New Testament. He was concerned about owned by things that we own. He was concerned about that. Big time. So the question is, what rules you? Maybe you're deceived. Maybe you have to ask your spouse, what rules you? Oh, yeah, I know what rules you. What have people brought to your attention? Because then no one should have to compete with your past. No one should have to compete with your temper or your anger or your alcohol or your pornography or your stuff or your golf game or your rage or depression or, or your need to have someone. What rules you? It's a great question. And if we, if we leverage anything other than love, we lose our leverage. See, it's what love requires of us. It's what it requires. But if we get this right, it could change the world. It did once. Once upon a time, there was a tiny band of Jesus followers. They had no New Testament to beat each up beat each other, you know, beat each other with, hey, I'm going to show you something. They had no power. They had no influence. They had no political party. The only leverage they had was love one another. That's all they had. And love one another means this. I am always going to be here for you. I'm not running away. I'm not escaping. If you confront me, I'm not going to run. If I confront you, you're not going to run. We're going to be here because we love each other. Think about your household. When I have to confront my, my wife or she confront, confront, confronts me, what if I just run away and bail? That's, that'll destroy. She's married to me because we're going to be in this together. And because we, got, we became baptized disciples, we're in this together. Love one another is the lens. We don't want to be one-uppers. Oh, you challenge me? Let me challenge you. One-upper. What's that? It's like fifth grade. I did it all the time. But loving one another. The generation that decides to love one another, it'll take precedence over everything else. Race, gender, belief, po politics, religious affiliations. It doesn't matter. It's the generation who loves one another. It turned the world upside down. And then it got turned sideways over many hundreds of years. When we love one another, people, when you love, they will feel drawn into you, not coerced. They'll feel guilty, but yet not condemned. Because we're loving them. Because we are the generation. And there'll be many after us, we're, we're long and gone. But let us be this generation 
that reaffirms by this everyone will know that you are his disciples if you love one another. Thank you for your time, followers of Jesus.